Chapter forty two of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter forty two. A foot of thirteen inches. The presence of the wheelbarrow explained a point that had been puzzling us for some days. We had fallen upon its track more than once, and supposed it to have been made by the wheel of a cart, but in no instance being able to find the corresponding one had given it up as a hopeless enigma. The only explanation we had succeeded in offering ourselves was that some light cart had accompanied the caravan, the load of which, being badly balanced, had thrown the weight upon one wheel, allowing the other to pass over the ground without making an impression. As it was only on dry grass we had traced it, this explanation had sufficed, though far from being satisfactory. Neither my companion nor myself ever thought of a wheelbarrow. Who would in such a place? In the name of old Nick, who can they be? asked Wingrove, as we halted on the ridge where the fugitives had been last seen. I'm not without my suspicions, I replied, just then thinking of a peculiarity that had but slightly occupied my attention, the cut and color of their dresses. If I'm not mistaken, the two shy birds that have fled from us or a brace of Uncle Sam's eagles. Soldiers? In all probability. And old soldiers, at that. But what a soldiers be a-doin' out higher? Travelin' to California, like ourselves. Desarters, maybe? Just what I suspect. No doubt the pair have slipped off from some of the frontier posts, and having no opportunity to provide themselves with a better means of transport, have brought the wheelbarrow with them. It is ludicrous enough, but by no means improbable. There are some queer customers in the service of Uncle Sam. I think there be. <laughs> what shall we do, Captain? Hadn't we better catch up to them? That, comrade, may be easier said than done. If they're deserters, and they must be, if they're soldiers at all, they'll take precious good care not to let anyone come near them, if they can help it. The escort that accompanies the train will account for their not being alone with it. If they've caught a glimpse of my buttons, they'll be cashed by this time. They only see our heads, I reckon they took us for engines. In that case, they'll hide from us all the same, only a little more cunningly. Consign their soldier skins, if they were as cunning as a couple of possums. They can't hide the track out of barrow, and so long as they keep in the timber, I calculate I'm kin lift their trail. I reckon I ain't quite forgot how though I am bamfoozled a bit by these higher prairies, corn sarn them. Ah, dem woods, cappin' it, dis one good a look at em. The eyes of the young hunter sparkled with enthusiasm as he spoke. It was a real forest that was before us, a large tract covered with giant cottonwood trees, and the only thing deserving the name of forest we had seen for many days. As my companion stood gazing upon it, I could trace upon his countenance a joyous expression that rarely appeared there, the sight of the big timbers recalled to him the forests of his own Tennessee, with happy memories of other times. They were not unmingled with shadows of regret, as I could tell by the change that came stealing over his features. "'We must try to overtake them,' said I, without answering to the ebullition. "'It is important for us to come up with them. Even if they be deserters, they are white men, and all whites are friends here. They muster two guns, and if these fellows are what I take them to be, they know how to handle them.' We must follow them. There's no time to be lost. You're right there, Captain. The night's coming down fast. 
it's already getting dark and i'm afeard it'd be a tough trekking under the timber if we're to catch up wouldn't the night we hain't a minute to spare let us forward then crossing the ridge we descended rapidly on the other side the track of the wheel guiding us in a direct line to the nearest point of the woods we could tell that the barrel had been trundled down the hill at top speed by the manner in which the iron tire had abraded the surface of the slope we had no difficulty in following the trace as far as the edge of the timber and for some distance into it but there to our great surprise the wheel track abruptly ended it was not that we had lost it by its having passed over dry or rocky ground on the contrary around the spot where it so suddenly disappeared the surface was comparatively soft and even an empty barrel would have made an impression sufficiently traceable either by my companion or myself after beating about for some time and extending our circle to the distance of a hundred yards or so we failed to recover the sign certainly the barrow had not gone farther at all events not upon its trundle instinctively we turned our eyes upward not with any superstitious belief that the fugitives had made a sudden ascent into the air but the idea had occurred to us that they might have hidden themselves in a tree and drawn the barrow up into it a single glance was sufficient to satisfy us that this conjecture was erroneous the thin foliage of the cottonwoods offered no cover a squirrel could hardly have concealed itself among their branches i've got it exclaimed the hunter once more seeking along the surface hires their tracks though there ain't no signs of the bearer i see how they've blinded us by gosh there are a couple of cunning old coons whomsoever they may be how have they managed it took up the machine on their shoulders and toted it that away see there's their own tracks they've gone out higher atween these two trees right comrade that appears to be the way they've done it sure enough there is the direction they have taken well if i wa'n't bothered with these higher animals i'd a kid followed them tracks easy enough we'd soon come upon the wheel again i reckon they ain't a-goin to travel fur with a hump like that on their shoulders no it's not likely well then cap'n suppose we leave our critters a hair and take arter after them afoot we can quarter the ground a good bit ahead and i guess we'll either come on them or their barrow for long i agreed to this proposal and after securing our four quadrupeds to trees we started off into the depth of the woods only for a short distance were we able to make out the footsteps of the men for they had chosen the dry sward to walk upon in one place where the path was bare of grass their tracks were distinctly outlined and a minute examination of them assured me of the correctness of my conjecture that we were trailing a brace of runaways from a military post there was no mistaking the print of the regulation shoe its shape was impressed upon my memory as plainly as in the earth before my eyes and it required no quartermaster to recognize the low ill-rounded heel and flat pegged soles i identified them at a glance and saw moreover that the feet of both the fugitives were encased in the same cheap chaussure only in size did the tracks differ and in this so widely that the smaller was little more than two-thirds the length of the larger one the latter was remarkable for size not so much in its breadth as length which last was not less than thirteen standard inches on noting this peculiarity my companion uttered an exclamation of astonishment there's a foot and no mistake cried he i reckon twere long legs as made them tracks well if i hadn't seen the man himself i'd a swore there were giants in these parts i made no reply though far more astonished than he my astonishment sprang from a different source and was mixed up in my mind with some old memories i remembered the foot End of chapter forty two